Are you weary and anxious about the future? Do you want to use the gifts and talents God has given you to make an impact for His kingdom? Do you have the desire to love God and love others well with full heart, soul, mind, and strength, but want help with where to start? At the Made for Mission Virtual Summit, the hearts of our speakers are to encourage and equip you to thrive in your gifts and talents. We will talk about our identity in Christ, putting Him first in all that we do, prioritizing our health as a means to better serve God, and so much more. We can't wait to see how God uses you to build His kingdom right here, right now. The following is a recording from the 2020 Made for Mission Virtual Summit that I hope encourages you today. If you'd like to hear more, go to dothethingmovement.com to buy a ticket to access all the content and resources. Are you ready? Let's go. Do you ever get to the end of a podcast and just think, man, I am not done with that conversation. Girl, me too. And I love hearing from you about how not only the show is encouraging you, but also what God is stirring up in you as a result. And I just really wanted the opportunity to connect one-on-one with more of you. And that's why I've created a Patreon community. Patreon is an online platform that hosts bonus content and provides creators a way to hang out with their audience in a more intimate way. So here's how I'm going to use it. There are three tiers. First is the bestie tier, which will include access to the platform and extra conversations with all our guests that only Patreon besties will get to hear. These questions will not be shared here on your podcast platform. Then there's the VIP party tier. This includes the bestie tier and you get invited to a VIP party once a month on Zoom where we get to hang out, get to know one another better and maybe do some coaching in a group session from time to time. And then finally, there is the calling coach tier. In this tier, you'll be able to access the previous tiers plus have a 30 minute coaching call per month with me to talk about anything podcast, ministry or career related. How fun does this sound? So come on over to Patreon by downloading the app or visiting patreon.com and search Do The Thing Movement. I can't wait to meet you inside the community. Hey friends, my name is Heather Creekmore and I run a ministry called Compared to Who. And today I want to talk to you about why you don't have to wait until you are better to pursue your purpose. So as quickly as you can, I want you to rattle off four things that you would like to improve in 2021. What are four ways in which you would like to be or do better? I'll give you just a second. So chances are you didn't have a hard time coming up with four. In fact, some of you overachievers scribbled down seven in those three seconds. The truth is we all know the ways that we want to be better, don't we? Like we are amazingly in touch with all of our perceived flaws and weaknesses. And we're sure that with just a little bit more intentional effort, maybe a webinar or two, a class and some time that we will improve. Is it just me? See, I love improvement. I am a firstborn type A overachiever. In high school, I competed with my friends over grade point average to the hundredth of the percentile. I have a master's degree in public policy and political management. I have managed events for presidents of the United States. I like things to go perfectly. I have a backup plan for my backup plan. And if things don't go well, Oh, I am the first in line with a list of ways that we should improve things. When I got married, I handed out line by line itineraries to everyone in the wedding party. 
telling everyone where they needed to be at 9.07 and at 9.13 and at 9.21. Let me tell you, some of the groomsmen rolled their eyes, but they knew not to mess with this bridezilla. <laughs> I married a Marine fighter pilot and guess who was even more perfectionistic than me? He was. Together, we were two people constantly striving to be better until we drove each other crazy. <laughs> but fortunately, God found a way to trick us into counseling, which helped us work through a lot of what was keeping us stuck in perfectionism and constant self-improvement. Now my husband's a pastor. We have four children. We had four in just under five years, no twins there. And we homeschool and friends. Our lives are far from perfect. In fact, the number of areas in my life that could use improvement are limitless. And yet I still like to succeed. I like to be the best. In fact, if there's an opportunity to do something that I'm not sure I'll succeed in, I generally ignore those opportunities. But God, God's been working on me for almost a decade now to help me release that chokehold that my ideals and perfectionism had on me. In fact, he's helped me so much that you just may be more familiar with me from this image. Yeah, that's me <laughs> wearing the gold baker's hat. I was the first contestant on the Netflix show, Nailed It, season one, episode one, the blue cookie monster looking wedding cake that was tilted. Yeah, that was mine. I had an epic bake fail in front of millions of people. So how does one go from being an uber perfectionist to failing miserably in front of the whole world? Well, the short answer is God had to teach me to stop chasing self-improvement and to start chasing his purpose for my life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to discuss the subtle ways that chasing self-improvement prevents us from pursuing God's purpose. I've had two books published. The first one is about body image my journey and my struggle with body image all throughout my life. But the second one, the one that came out last September is called The Burden of Better, because I truly believe that as Christians, we can miss out on living a beautiful, purpose-filled and meaningful life because we're chasing self-improvement instead of what God has for us. I know this is a countercultural message. It's almost anti-American. We learn from a young age that if you want to be the best, you follow a certain path path, excuse me, athletes train, top lawyers, business leaders, they know they have to get good grades, go to all the right schools, pay their dues, and then they work their way to the top. Actors, artists, musicians, they too pay their dues, they hone their craft, and then they get that big break that propels them to greatness. We've been taught by culture that we should find our yellow brick road, and at the end of it, we'll discover a rainbow surrounded by buckets of happiness. The only problem is at the end of that yellow brick road, there may just be a guy hiding behind a curtain instead of a rainbow and buckets of happiness. Now, that's an illustration from The Wizard of Oz. So if you haven't seen it, let me explain what happens. Dorothy and her friends follow the yellow brick road where they're going to find the amazing wizard. And when they get there, they see all of these technotronics. There's some amazing creature, they are certain. But then the little dog Toto pulls back a curtain 
and they see what it all really is. It's just a man with a bunch of levers and a microphone. And the man says, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. You see, friends, I kind of think that's what happens to us sometimes. We're looking for the path. We want the exact steps to take. In some cases, we want the magic formula for success. But friend, that's what culture teaches. That's not actually what the Bible teaches. That's not the path the Bible lays out. So today, we're going to explore self-improvement. And we're going to look at some ways that it helps us. But most importantly... I think for today, we're going to look at some ways that it hurts us as we try to uncover God's purpose for our lives and live that out. Now, you've been outlining your conference notes, so if you lose track of any of these scriptures, most of them are there right for you. Okay, so let's start off by looking at the concept of self-improvement. So the messages of self-improvement, I mean, like I said, they were a guiding force for me most of my life. I had this postcard taped to my desk, and it said, commit yourself to constant improvement, and so I did. I always analyze my life from the what can be better, what could be improved perspective. My body, that could always be better. Of course, what could I do to improve it? What's my next diet? What's my next fitness plan? My knowledge, well, that could improve too. I love books and I love gaining experience. I could be better with practice. I was sure I could get somewhere close to perfect, if not reaching perfect itself. But now I'm beginning to see what a trap that was. How many years I spent chasing better and not chasing God's purpose. So let's be honest. Some of these self-improvement projects take time. Like, I don't know about you, but when I used to start a diet or a new exercise program or try to take an online class, these things became time consumers. They were like right here, front of mind. And it was hard to think about anything beyond my next self-improvement project. So today I want us to answer a couple fundamental theological questions about self-improvement because like I said, it can be right here. And when it's here, it can be blocking us from moving into what God wants us to do for his kingdom. So the question we're going to start with today is this, is self-improvement biblical? So I've been studying scripture, reading words written by people much wiser than I am, and have come to this conclusion. Are you ready for this? It depends. How's that for a solid answer? You see, I think the more I've studied it, the better question is not is self-improvement biblical, but is self-improvement goodly or self-improvement godly? You see, there's a lot of things in our life that are good, but they might not necessarily be godly. 